today and I'll go to school tomorrow. First impressions are incredibly important. Honey, you can make a wonderful first impression. Brenda, how could you? He was a jerk, okay? I've made my choice and I choose me. Beverly Hills Now to 2 0 fans, welcome to 9021 No So, a Beverly Hills Now to 2 0 podcast retrospective series. I am JT, and joining me on this journey is my partner, Mr. Tim. Tim, how are you? JT, I'm doing pretty good. I think our last outing here on this show, we were a little bit down on that episode. It wasn't the worst, but it, it wasn't the best in the world. Uh, this one, um, oof. I don't want to jump the gun, but uh, <laughs> not so sure how I'm feeling about this uh, this back half of the season here in season two. It did, we'll talk did about we it. Peak way too early. In the yeah, season? like I, what's going I, on? I think I think they weren't like yes. It's a lot of episodes, and I think they're struggling. They struggled a little bit early. Then they found a red hot groove in the middle, and then they've definitely struggled to fill this time. And the major story that I keep waiting to start. Like, I, I thought it would have started by now. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. down to the final handful of episodes here. And the big angle that I thought was coming has, has still not really started. So we go four after this. So we'll see. But uh, we're, we're getting close. All right. Let's bring back our guest. He is a returning guest. He uh, was last with us about five or so episodes ago. And that is our buddy, Mr. Keith Langston. Keithy, how are you? Hey, guys. What's going on? Good to be here. Glad to be back. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're excited uh, to have you here. Yeah, everything. Talking your everything favorite show. Oh, yeah. Well, I as I said before the last time, I was not a fan. Oh, I was not a watcher. I, sh- I don't want to mm-hmm. say not a fan because I didn't watch the show. So I don't want to say like I didn't like it. But um, right. Yeah, no, no, I, I bust I bust chops. But I mean, going back and re- I guess watching episodes for the first time. I mean, it's very dated, I feel. But it's dated because it was at the time. I mean, it's a 90 show. So. But uh, yeah, sure. Uh, no, this was a this was a fun episode to watch. Uh, uh, I was actually having a conversation with a friend of mine, and I was telling her I was doing this show, and she got all giddy, and I was like, <laughs> "Real?" And she was like, "Yeah." She's like, "I love that show." It was like my favorite show, and I was like, You're "Oh, put this I'm... on your uh, Tinder profile, Keith." That you I know, and I, was... to an <laughs> well, and I was talking to her about this episode, and she was actually like re, re- repeating everything, <laughs> like scene by scene. She was like, "Yeah, remember this? Remember that?" I was like, "Jesus Christ, okay." So well, uh, yeah, may- maybe I'll have a new fan for the. Uh, yeah, well, you better send it so. to her. Let's go. Let's I will going. absolutely. I'll get right on that. All right. Well, let's dive into this episode of season two, <clears throat> episode 24. It's the 46th episode all time of the show. The Pit and the Pendulum aired mm-hmm. March 19th, 1992. Uh, we're down big from Cardio Funk, Tim. So to your okay. point, we were not yeah. big fans of that episode, which got a very strong 21.3 rating. This down to a 17.2. Um, so we dipped quite a bit here in the middle of March. On this I episode. noticed big gap between these episodes also three weeks when right they aired yeah 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 i mean well i think even more um because that that last episode was we were still in february right it was the 27th though so it was pretty much the end of the okay month. so it was late february so yeah i mean took a few yeah, weeks, weeks off um kind of feels like well i don't know it 
February we think of as as a big sweeps month, right? Mm -hmm. Even even back then, probably more so back then than in today's television model. And it it sort of feels like the show didn't show up for <laughs> that February sweeps. And now we're getting into the spring season. Uh, maybe there's a rebound, but ooh, well, we do bounce I'm... back up. But again, there's another couple weeks, and then there's another three weeks. Like the schedule yeah. for the show has already been very sporadic since the new mm -hmm. year. For sure. We're, we're all over the place. Um, but we do have a couple of big ratings still to come. So, um, all right, let's go ahead and dive in. Then we'll see what mm -hmm. our thoughts are. We open with some pictures of old Hollywood actors, old Hollywood across the peach pit walls. We have Nat kind of looking nostalgically at Steve, Dylan, and Brandon are playing what looks to be cup and saucer hockey on the counter. Um, so they're, it's looked at kind of like their own little air hockey game. Uh, Nat is not very thrilled though because he says Brandon and your friends you're treating my wares poorly uh, he's also being a little bit pissy with his other employees just not really you can tell he's not in a good headspace right now and Brandon basically says you know he's been moody for two weeks now and goes over to Nat says we're out of mustard uh, Nat just starts being a wicked dick to Brandon and Brandon's like look if you're not happy just fire me buddy <laughs> like I'll move on and Nat apologizes he said it's not Brandon's fault it's nothing to do with him he says, we remodeled the pit right before the recession, and now we're taking a hit. He says that Brandon's part-time is not really a problem, but Willie the Cook wants a raise. He's got a family and a baby on the way. Mm. And that says he doesn't want to have to fire Willie, but he's not made of money, and something has to give. So we, we meet Willie for the first time, Tim, in this opening scene. Uh, he'll become Very a good. mainstay going forward. Yes, um, sure I, I guess he's the only full-time employee because only Willie's on the chopping block of anyone else in the in the restaurant. Is he the only cook, I guess? Do they have others? I, I guess. I'm sure they have like a, a kitchen staff, but you know, to say nothing of their employment status, their immigration status may be questionable oh. as well. Um, it, again, it is the early nineties, but, uh, yeah, I think Willie's the only, the only other full-timer we meet here in addition to yeah. Nat. So poor Willie is the only one in, in trouble, apparently. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, maybe we made a karaoke, I guess, didn't save the business like we thought it may. Well, he tried. Yeah. Uh, all right. Brandon's at home. Cindy says he's late for a preliminary meeting of the teen advisory board. He's always still got a meeting going on. What is this? <laughs> Brandon says it's Brenda's thing. He's not interested in being a consultant for a shopping mall. But we find out that the client running the meeting is a young, attractive lady who makes some eyes at Brandon. They flirt a little bit. Uh, so now he's interested. They have some snacks, and Brandon finds out that this uh, girl's father is Dixon St. Clair, a famous architect, that he's building this mall in uh, Beverly Hills. Jim says if they could uh, get this together and they figure it out, he could retire. The plan is uh, to have a lake in the middle of the mall, and it's going to be a really huge shopping center. Uh, Brandon asks why Dixon wants to the teenage view, and Marcy says, Marcy is uh, the girl's name, that she asked him to do it. And Brenda says girls throw themselves at Brandon, even though Kelly doubts that someone like Marcy St. Clair would be interested in old Brando. Uh, so basically, to sum this up, Dixon St. Clair is Jim's client. He's a famous architect and uh, builder. And his daughter, Marcy, convinced him to do a teen advisory commission. And Jim offered to have it at the Walsh house. And they're trying to take ideas for the mall. So we're at school. Brandon's convincing Andrea to fill out the questionnaire. I don't know why he's obsessed with making her do it. There's a million kids in this fucking school. They would probably do this. But he's making her do it. She's questioning it all, of course. Uh, concerned, you know, concerned about the greenery and 
conservation, etc. Donna is stressed because she thinks it's like a quiz. Dylan basically says no, no good. He wants no part of it. Andrea is still arguing with Brandon about why the mall is a bad idea. Kelly and Brenda regroup on everyone's desires. Uh, we find out what they all wanted. I, I didn't track them all, but I do know Steve Sanders is a man ahead of his time because he says he wants mm-hmm. a virtual reality in IMAX theater. So he's yep. he is uh, ahead of the curve here. Mm-hmm. Marcy shows up to collect the survey. She asks about Brandon. Brandon asks Andrea if we need to bring in journalistic ethics into everything in her life and tells her if she wants to complain, go complain to Marcy. She's over there. Marcy invites the gang to some sort of sorority, uh, sorority frat party. And Brandon says, oh, maybe I'll bring Brandon. And Marcy says, I already am. Marcy and Brandon regroup. We find out Marcy went to high school in Switzerland, and she wants to design buildings and build them with her dad, Keithy. Uh, mm. So what do you think his first couple scenes in setting up the premise, meeting Marcy, and uh, setting up the Teen Advisory Commission? Uh, it's amazing. I mean, one of the things I, I noticed, at least in the few episodes that I've seen, is just the guest stars are just immediately attracted to Jason Priestley. And it's just... Uh, it's like he's like the hot dangly carrot that gets all the hot chicks, and uh, which is kind of nice considering he's what a, bo- a boy from Minnesota. Like it's kind of mm-hmm. nice to know, you know. So uh, yeah, no, excellent, excellent stuff altogether. <laughs> well, look, ever since he turned twelve, I mean, apparently he's been a huge catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, this episode is already um, combining two tropes that I I really have come to dislike when it comes to this show which is brandon getting involved in one of his dad's business deals um <laughs> and brandon uh getting pretty openly hit on by some older woman who mm-hmm. just can't get enough of him uh it, i mean immediately this woman is so brazen i mean right in front of his parents she is just yeah. very flippantly uh making the moves putting the moves on him flirting uh, Go in, full in uh, full blank check, uh, mm. <laughs> right? He even kind of looks like the. <laughs> now you now as two f- fervent viewers of this show, is this like a salmon? Uh, oh God, what's her name? Uh, Diane. D- Diane between Andrea oh. and Brandon, like through the whole show. Um, it feels like it's headed that way. Mm-hmm. Not to get to ahead of ourselves, but yeah. they really kind of never do, and it doesn't become. It's not a tension point going forward. It's so it's like Sam and what? What was Kirstie? Rebecca? Name? Yeah, Rebecca. yeah. Sam and well, Rebecca. They, they even got together. These two don't really ever, and they just kind of end up as like best friends, and they're okay yeah. with it. Like okay. that's kind of where it goes. Well, um, I like the journey. Will they? Like- won't they? And then, then we decided we don't want them to. Uh, <laughs> I like the uh, journalistic integrity. <laughs> yeah, so you have to bring that shit into everything. That's <laughs> so good. Um, I did want to point out you had mentioned uh, about Willie. Um, this guy, the actor, is Wesley Allen Gullick. He has since passed away. This hmm. was his only role. That's it. Only he was only like Willie in that He's in thirteen episodes between 1992 and 1997, and that's all he's ever done. That's tremendous. <laughs> Oh, there you go. What That's a pretty crazy. He must have been a friend of some uh, producer or yeah, writer, yeah. right? It had to be some kind of well. His IMDb you know, picture Joey is him. His IMDb picture is like him on a golf course, and it looks like he's probably doing like a celebrity golf thing. So I bet you he's yeah. I bet you he was friends with like somebody special or something. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. Willie the oh, Cook. We'll see him twelve more times <laughs> after this. Apparently. <laughs> I would have more. Twelve whole lines. Spoiler alert. He doesn't. I would have honestly guessed more. I would have honestly guessed more. Um, right. 
more than 13. Mm. All right, we're at the pit. Brandon's chatting up Willie, as we just talked about. And Nat says he can't fire him. He couldn't do it. And the pit tradition is who needs to make a profit. So that's his motto to go by. Uh, Nat points out a picture of his dad, Salvatorio, and says his dad fed a lot of actors, including Steve McQueen. He fed uh, Steve McQueen for two years. And Nat says he knew all the stars back in the day, but nothing wow. lasts forever. Mm. We then had a video presentation, a very futuristic style presentation about the new mall. It's going to be called High Point Center. Everyone is captivated. Brandon is very excited. They included his ice rink idea. Marcy chats up Kelly and Brenda. We, uh, Jim comes over. We meet Art Peters, who's the project manager for the High Point Center, working with Jim. Uh, he comes over. and Brandon says, Dad, I got to talk to you right away. And Jim's like, not now. And he says, nope, got to talk to you right now, right now. And Brandon reveals that High Point Center he uh, has discovered crosses Olympic to, I believe he said Larrabee. Was it Larrabee, Tim? I don't know if you caught it, but sounded like he said Olympic to I Larrabee, so. yeah. um, which is where the Peach Pit is located. And Jim says, we'll talk at home. Rand is not happy that the Peach Pit is going to die if this deal goes through. But Jim poo-poos him until they get back home. So we arrive at Costa Walsh. Jim and Brandon are arguing. And he says, tearing down the Peach Pit is going to tear out Nat's heart. And Jim said, he didn't realize it until right now. Brenda says, why would Jim know the address? I mean, come on. And Jim told Brandon not to talk to Nat until he talks to Art Peters. Brandon says he has to keep his mouth shut while Jim keeps his mouth shut. And Jim says he has influence, but they could be in trouble if they find out his son disclosed confidential information to Nat. Jim says it's not a request. This is a demand. He cannot speak to Nat. And Brandon leaves unhappy. We go to uh, Brandon's room. Brenda comes in. She's trying to rationalize with him. Says she wouldn't pick Nat over Jim. And Brandon tells her about the Willie story. Brandon says Nat will get a lot of money. And Brandon says the Peach Pits his whole life. His family built it. And Brandon says dad comes first. Brandon says he wants to be no part of the committee. Nothing to do with Marcy. And he's not going to the party. Brenda says, uh, you know, she wants to meet new people. What if they go to school at this college? And all the crew's going to go? Because they didn't forget how to have a good time at the expense of their principals. <laughs> I don't know the line. What a line. Uh, Brandon yeah. Caves. I don't know why she's so obsessed with making him go to this fucking party, but okay. Peer pressure um, big time from Brenda. Yeah. All right. Let's let's talk there for a second, Tim, because the next few scenes are all the party. Um, so we'll, we'll okay. get to those in a row. But uh, what do you think of what's going on here? All right. So first of all, I would like to know if... Uh, Nat's father, what's his name? Sal Salvatore? Salvatorio. 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 Is he the Mr. Uh, Busicchio who violated their civil rights in the 60s? It had to be, right? It's got to be him. <laughs> I think so. We're going to have to pay attention. Like, do we get that guy's first name when we. I know that episode is, is not for a couple seasons, but it's it's a real infamous one. So um, th that'll be one to look forward to. Uh, find out if, if they maintain that continuity. I'll be amazed if they do. I don't think they ever uh, say it. This is my they oh, maybe. I, I guess maybe they do. Who knows? We'll see. Because literally, it's just Mr. Busicchio. Um, it, but anyway. Um, yeah, this whole futuristic mall complex. Uh, it's a very... It, it almost looks like a scene out of a... Like a, a Michael Douglas 90s Iraq. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, Although, whole, like, the sicko of me yeah. immediately thought of uh suburban commando when they're showing the plans for the center ah, oh to, the, to the japanese it, investors it mm -hmm. is very 90s and very like 90s cutting edge mm -hmm. high-tech 
office complex sort of thing. Uh, I thought I was watching Disclosure for a minute. Um, or something you'd see on like a Disney ride experience or something like what the future will look yes, like. Yes, yes, yes. Lots absolutely. of lasers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lots, lots of lasers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, to say nothing of ethics and high school newspaper journalism, what about ethics in business? Like it, it seems that this does not come as a surprise to Jim Walsh that Nat the Peach Pit is going to be impacted by this this plan. Mm-hmm. Right. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I know it's 1992, but about every six months, every six months or so at the company I work for, I have to sign these um, ethics disclosure mm-hmm. statements, essentially saying, hey, if you're ever, if you ever become aware of a potential conflict of interest between, right. you know, your personal dealings and, and, you know, your, uh, business life then then you have to disclose it and it doesn't necessarily mean that um you have to recuse yourself but we need to know about it right because there's a potential impact here and like i don't know i feel like jim's kind of kind of skating on thin ice here where he knows about this but he's not saying anything and it's he's sort of hinting that he's gonna try to go to bat for nats but he also does have a responsibility to his client, right? This art, whatever, or who's the client, Mr. Dixon or the the developer? I Dixon either way, Saint right? Clair, excuse Dixon me. Saint Clair is is yes. the guy. Yeah, he's the, the developer. This money. is his. I think Art Peters works for him. He's, he's running the, the project designer. for Dixon. He's yeah, the, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's running the, the architect or whatever. So yeah. either way, Jim has got a responsibility to these guys as well, and he knows about this right. and. He's what he's going to try to he's going to try to drum up as as big an offer as he can for his for his friend. I, I mean, good good on you for trying to look out for Nat, but you're not supposed to do that. Is the point? So big time conflict of interest for Jim here. Uh, not a great look for him. And once again, Brandon going shooting his mouth off about things he doesn't really know about getting involved in his dad's business affairs this feels like more like a, a subplot you would find in a dallas or like a dynasty mm-hmm. or something like that it just i don't feel like it has any part in this prime prime time teen soap opera essentially and i i'd always hate i always hate when they do these brandon saves the world type of storylines when he's you know fucking high school junior yeah, it, it's a little intense. I mean, I guess you can understand Jim not knowing the address of the Peach Pit, I guess. Like, I think that's a forgivable one. Like, why would he know the fucking address of this restaurant? Sure. Uh, and why would intersect? But he, he becomes aware at some point, right? Even if, even if well, this I think is this day, time, right? He kind of said this, this yeah. like, today I just found out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. It just seems like he should, if not recuse himself from this whole thing, then he ought to be like, I, I already know I'm this this looks bad right like so let me handle it i know <laughs> but doesn't do that at any point i guess we wouldn't have an episode right. if he did that but anyway, yeah and i have like, a i have a thought on how this could have all been solved we'll get to by the end but okay. um, all right here we go so the gang arrives at the frat party mike answers the door a guy named mike he's all weird he's acting awkward uh <laughs> it's a blue party so everyone's dressed in blue 
Um, and of course, Mike is portrayed by Walton Goggins, who's a pretty famous actor now, of course, and uh, Vice Principals, Righteous Gemstones, etc. Uh, he is playing Mike here, pretty much on brand, too. They let him go full weirdo. In this. He is uh, like having a stroke or something when he... Yeah, I didn't know if he was uh, yeah. supposed to be high or if he's just a fucking weirdo. Like, I don't know what the uh, fuck he was. But... A little from uh, Colin A, a little from Colin Yeah, it's, I guess so. Um, so he he grades him. Uh, Brandon shows up. He's wearing red. And he's clearly doing it to spite Marcy and be an asshole, right? But he's like, well, mm-hmm. I figured everyone would be wearing blue. Uh, Mike is kind of a dick to him. And Marcy basically tells him to fuck off. Uh, Marcy reveals she doesn't like to dance. And Brandon's back in. That's all he had to hear. Yeah. Like, I think I yeah. love you. Um because he doesn't have to dance. Everyone else is dancing, though, including Stephen Kelly. They're slow dancing. He tries to make a move, mm. but she slows his roll, and he's kind of like gives the, well, I shot my shot. Uh, Brenda is in love with the campus of this unnamed college. I don't think we got the name of it. Uh, and Dylan says there's an attitude with frats that he doesn't dig, and they're a bunch of geeks. And if he goes to college, if he goes to college, he'll never join a frat. Uh, Dylan says he doesn't want to go, and he wouldn't come here if he did. And it's because the student center is named the McKay Student Center. And it said, my dad cut a check and got an honorary degree trying to buy some respect. And Dylan says, Brenda and Brandon are lucky because Jim is a trustworthy straight shooter. He's got no motives with strings. And they're two very lucky kids. And I feel like those uh, comments could ring a little uh, interesting soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donna is upstairs. Uh, she's living, not upstairs, but she's living it up, playing games. Uh, Brandon and Marcy are arm in arm, and she takes him upstairs to a very large design room. And it's got all of her dad's old building models and photos of the buildings on the wall. She gets all horny for the architecture. Brandon's swooning a bit. They make out. Marcy says, My dad would like you. And Brandon says, Well, does that matter? And Marcy says, Well, that depends. And she basically offers him a job. If this project gets approved, Marcy's all in on this plan. She realizes May she's coming on a little strong, but she says she's an only child and you have to control all situations to avoid disappointment. Brandon says he's very flattered and impressed. And Marcy said, let's go somewhere to celebrate. Before we get to that celebration, Tim, this took me like 10 minutes to piece together where they are. Like they're at a frat house or they at her house. Are they at the sorority house that like, because they're on campus, so they're clearly mm-hmm. not at the St. Clair house. So is there just a room in this house dedicated to his architecture? Like, I could not piece this together for the life of me. Well, I was also struggling with, wasn't this the same? I mean, the set, in the at least the exterior of it, looks like the, the same place where they had the Halloween party several episodes back. It, it just it seems like they're reusing this this place and repurposing it because it almost still looks like a Halloween party. I mean, they've got the blue theme and everybody's dressed up. So you're like, uh, what is this? This is like a costume party. What is going on here? Um, so that yeah, that took me a minute also. And yeah, I mean, I I guess it 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 seems like it must be the the sorority house because that's where marcy is going to have the most pull and maybe there is a dedicated room or just a room that she's kind of done up um in the style the only thing i can think of is that like he's an honorary you know something on that campus right right right. yeah in the same way that jack mckay is an honorary whatever because he gave them money so yeah it's 
it, it's a little weird. Um, Brandon looks like an asshole. Every, anytime someone does this, right, where it's a theme party and you're like, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the opposite of that. And you think you're going to be so cool right. and different. Like, you just look like a dick. So, of course, he he has to do his own thing. And but it's it is amazing how quickly they're just back on after she's like, well, I don't dance either. All right, you can both be losers. Fine. <laughs> uh, Any, Keith, uh, would you be TV? back in if uh, would would you be back in that easily if if a woman just uh, agreed to to one thing that you hate doing or sure. uh, would would prefer not to do in front of a room full of people? Sure, I'd be back in. Well, you could say that Brandon almost blew it before Marcy gave him another chance. So she wants to go celebrate. Brandon takes Marcy to the peach pit. He makes her up a mega burger. She loves it. She's oh, never had boy. one. Nat says, uh, Marilyn Monroe loved the mega burger. And he talks about stories of her coming in. And Marcy's loving all this history. And mm. Nat runs down all the stars that came in. But he says business hasn't been the same. And Brandon... Let's in on the uh, on the uh, gist here that the Peach Pit's being torn down for the big old HPC. Marcy is shook. Brandon says, Nat doesn't know yet, but Dixon's uh, group wants it that way. Marcy says, did you bring me here to make me feel bad? And Brandon basically says he hoped Marcy would talk to her dad if she learned about the pit. She gets indignant, says, how do you think he's going to call off this mega deal just because he tried the world's greatest cheeseburger? That's not how the real world works. And Brandon says, how does it work? I already told you, says Marcy. So Marcy's not buying into the Brando show here. He is, uh, nope. He could definitely fucked this up. Brandon goes to talk to Willie. He's sad. Uh, this is the next day. Uh, then he goes to talk to Nat. Nat's at the counter. He's wearing a suit. And Nat's very sad. He says, the last time I wore this suit was my dad's funeral. And he reveals that he was told about developmental plans for a Fakakta shopping center. <laughs> he says, there's a meeting tonight and he's going to go. And Brandon admits that he knew and says he wasn't allowed to say anything because of Jim being involved. Nat's kind of okay with it. He doesn't get mad. And Nat says when he uh, remodeled, he agreed to lease, uh, fine print in the lease, and things aren't ironclad, and he can't fight it. They're bigger and richer and better, and they'll squeeze him dry. And at his age, he can't just go get a job at McDonald's. He's not going to bother going, and after tonight, the pit is history. So again, Tim, like, I'm a little confused because he admits he has a lease. Mm -hmm. Um but he's going to argue with Dixon St. Clair mm. instead of the guy who owns the lease, like that's going to sell the property. Like again, like he's acting at once that he owns the property, but that he's also leasing the property. So this is, we're having a lot of plot holes already through this. Yeah. I mean, unless the idea is he's going to get a huge like lump sum from Dixon and like in exchange for that, he just he'll he'll just walk away from the lease, which they're they're trying to get him out of the lease anyway, right? And we do right. get a line later that says, or was it in this scene where he talks about he he did make certain concessions in his last lease agreement involving um, the renovations to the Peach Pit. Like seems like in exchange for making all these big renovations, he sort of. Um, he he sort of caved on some other things, so this uh, this lease is not as ironclad mm -hmm. as it might have been in the past. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a, it's left a little vague. This again is one of those. It's a business plot. It it kind of doesn't belong in this series. Um, 
but yeah, it, it does seem like, well, it, I mean, it, it's not like he, he has nothing, you know, in terms of leverage. I mean, he could, yeah, he might not get exactly what he wants, but it's not like he's going to walk away penniless, right? So right, it's just sort of to, to what degree is he really willing to play hardball? And it seems like he's already kind of rolling over because um, he just feels like this is inevitable, which, I mean, I guess I, guess I can understand that mentality uh, on Nat's part to some extent, like he's the little guy in this huge corporation. But still, again, it's it's not like he he has nothing to work with here. And Brandon certainly got his back. Jim, in a weird way, maybe has his back, like, but is in a situation where he he can't, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's again a, a very convoluted situation. Hey, let's uh, Keith and how this whole lease situation is lined up. I, I mean, I guess I I guess it's kind of like you're saying it's it's there's a lot of you know weird uh, just kind of plot holes in this. And overall, I feel like this was like a big trope in movies and in television, uh, going all the way back to I think even maybe like the '70s, because I mean uh, Mike Brady was an architect, and there was kind of like always conversations about about architectural dealings but it just mm. it always seems weird when it's like this kind of uh this doesn't happen in real life i don't think right right like there's no way that like in the middle of a lease uh, for a business nonetheless i mean we're not even talking about like the ridiculousness of like the movie up where it's like they want the guy's house to put the skyscraper it's like this is just like in the middle of a business lease the lease gets sold and then immediately the new guy is like, all right, we're going to tear this down and develop it into something. I mean, that's not usually, not at least if the business is sort of doing well. And I have to assume with the amount of time that the uh, 90210 gang is hanging out at the Peach Pit that it's doing something, mm-hmm. you know, business-wise. I mean, I understand that uh, Nat's talking about how it's they took a hit during the recession and all that. But, I mean, damn, you know, it was around for 20 years, maybe even longer. And... uh I don't think that mall would have lasted 20 years. <laughs> so maybe the peach pit would have lasted, you know? Well, we're going to find out. We're at the meeting, the big business meeting, which I guess is really a city council meeting. I don't know. Again, this is all very uh, fluid. Yeah, <laughs> no specifics yeah. given. Um, Art and Jim are talking up the plan uh, for the discussion. Brandon shows up and meets Dixon through Marcy. And Dixon says, I've heard good things about you, Brandon. And he offers Brandon help when he's applying for school. Brandon says he's a big fan of history. And Marcy gives him a little look. We cut to Dixon, who's did wrapping his presentation for the council. He credits Marcy for the big team board that drove all the plans. Andrea shows up at the meeting, and Dixon said they didn't have one teenager that objected. Brandon speaks up, and he says, yeah, you know what? I'm having some second thoughts. They try to cut him off, and Brandon says someone has to listen to the little guy and save history. Andre, of course, is smiling at this malfeasance. Art tells Jim to control Brandon. Control your son. Uh, we cut to after the meeting where Jim is reaming out Brandon in the hallway. Jim says, Nat is a grown man. He should have showed up if he wanted to. And Jim says, Art's going to pay off the lease and offer him a prime location and a new spot. Jim tells Brandon to get off his soapbox. He's hurting him. And Brandon says, this is a formality. It's going to get pushed through anyway. What do you care? He kept his mouth shut, and Jim doesn't have it under control like he promised he would. Jim says, you have to choose your battles. And Brandon says he did. And Jim gets serious and walks off. Ah. 
At school the next day, there's a Save the Peach Pit rally being set up. Andrea tells Brandon he doesn't have to do it alone. They're all here to help him out. Dylan says he's proud of Brandon for standing up. We all love Nat. David finds uh, comes over and finds a group and says he's going to broadcast live from the Peach Pit. They're going to play music exclusively from the jukebox. Brenda pulls Brandon aside and tells him Jim got chewed out at work big time uh, after the herring. But she heard Jim tell Cindy that Brandon remind him of uh, Jim's dad. Brandon tells the crew that he'll see them at the pit because he's going to head over to talk to Marcy. He catches her leaving and, um, well, actually, we thought it was going to be Marcy. He says, I got someone to go see. But he actually wants to go talk to Art Peters. He sees Marcy when she's leaving. And Marcy asks him, where do your loyalties lie? And he says, all of this is about mo uh, money and politics. And she says, you're a knee-jerk, bleeding heart. And you're not going to beat my dad. And Brandon says, maybe you should be your own woman and not just be daddy's girl. Brandon says he wants to go tell Art Peters that Jim had nothing to do with the herring. It was all on his own. Um, all right, uh, Keith, any thoughts on these uh, handful of scenes here before we get to the uh, finishing stretch? Art Peters, like such a... It's such, such an awesome... A, it's such an awesome, name. like, 80... Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, just very noble of Brandon to try to, like, take the heat off his dad, which is nice, uh, considering he was kind of defiant with his father in the in the earlier interaction, in the earlier scene. So very nice from him. Um, Marcy's true colors coming out, you know, uh, soon. Uh, apparently Marcy is short for Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, in this little scenario Sir. here. So. <laughs> That's about it. I'll, that... see my, I'll see myself out. And once again, I, I feel like we're getting some uh, some set reusage. Although you wouldn't know it at the time, this this little complex, this plaza, wherever Art. Uh, every time I heard Art Peterson, I thought of uh, what was it, Art Vandalay? Art Vandalay? The, the yes, yeah, yep. the architect. <laughs> yeah, he was an architect. He 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 built the new addition to the Guggenheim. Yeah, he was an architect, right? Among yeah. other things. Uh, yes. So wherever, you know, this this plaza, this business complex where he's located, pretty sure this gets repurposed as the uh, the D&D &D advertising um, <laughs> set for, again, the exterior for uh, Melrose Place whenever they do that <laughs> establishing shot. Just picture right when Brandon pulls up, the behind Tim, him, you, if it said D&D &D advertising, it'd be like, okay, all right. Tim, Tim you are, you're aware that they film most things on a set, right? I, I am, and I'm just pointing out how often these things get reused because uh, I don't usually notice that, but it, it seemed more blatant and obvious uh, in this episode than others. Yeah. Uh, so, in any case, I I find myself kind of siding with uh, Marcy throughout this exchange. I thought she made some pretty good points, had some good zingers, and I, I realized this, the optics of this look pretty bad, right? For, for poor Nat, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. You can't like, show oh, up. You got this kid here. Like it mm -hmm. would seem like, and Jim basically says it. Like Nat sent him. You know what I mean? Like that's how it comes across. Yeah, yeah. And I know they're trying to do this whole David versus Goliath thing, but Nat is a grown man, as Jim said, and he does have to make decisions like this impacting his future and his business and uh, like and that, that hasn't said he wouldn't point. right i mean it's just like no. i guess he's kind of resigned to it but it's really brandon like speaking it's on brandon, his behalf who's yeah. driving and, all of this and making assumptions and hasn't really even asked nat what he wants or right. what he's what his intentions are what he's planning what he's thinking um hey acting, or, or acting very much suggestions like <laughs> 
I was gonna say he's acting just... very much like a teenager, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like in this right. guy, like this is probably the most teenagery thing Brandon's probably ever mm-hmm. done, right? <laughs> I mean, it's very impulsive and it's very presumptuous on his part, which Brandon, at his worst, can be. Uh, because again, this turns into not so much. I know he, he thinks it's it's the principle of it all, but really, it's kind of more about his own ego, right? It's about his need to to be right and to take on take this fight um, for someone who you know he he feels like can't take up for themselves or won't take up for themselves, and at a certain point, he's now blind to what they even want or intend to do and it's is making all kinds of um weird again assumptions on on their behalf and i guess trying to advocate on nat's behalf but he never actually sat down and talked right. to nat about this whole thing nat may very well not appreciate brandon meddling in his business no probably not especially since it makes him look pathetic um mm-hmm. I, what i do like is that for the first time, and I guess, I mean, I don't think it's spoiling much because the show doesn't really pop back up too much. I, I like that for the first time, Marcy is kind of the first girl that doesn't end up like caving and mm. giving it to Brandon and like admitting she's like wrong or that Brandon's wrong. Yeah. Like she pretty much told Brandon to fuck off and that's it. Like yeah. there's no makeup. <laughs> there's no like, oh, maybe we'll date in the future like with some other, other uh, girls we've had. She basically is like, leaves in her stance and that's it there's no future with them they part kind of not amicably so i kind of like that it was different Mm. yeah she's she's super turned off by this and does not come back around so brandon goes to the pit uh he finds out that nat has sent everyone home he tells brandon he couldn't refuse the offer and business is business it was a fair offer and he didn't get stiffed nat says he loves brandon he's going to take care of everyone with a severance and he'll manage maybe he'll buy a boat and sail off and this is a little creepy but he's like brandon can come you can come and be my first mate when you graduate high school (laughs) a little delusional uh brandon says nat let him down instead of fighting for something important uh but he was wrong he thought nat would fight Jim comes home. He asks Brandon to make up a BLT, but Brandon says, here, you can have mine and walks away. Uh, Jim says to let it go. Brandon says he uh, should be happy. Nat took the money. You won. And Jim says, Brandon lives on false assumptions, which is, I don't know if they could have written a better line to to describe Brandon. <laughs> They're on I this know. show. I... Lives on false assumptions. He says, I'm no villain. Art and Dixon make dish- decisions without him at the table, and Nat made a deal. Brandon says, you're all the same. Nat, Art, Dixon, you, just about the bottom line. And Jim says, yeah, that's right, buddy. We got to worry about boring things, supporting responsibilities. We have families and homes. And the HPC can create a lot of jobs. Did you think of that, dumbass? Brandon walks off. Jim is fuming. Cindy says, Brandon lost a hero today. <laughs> Again, it's a little <laughs> poor Jim. You know, he's like, this guy fucking guy's trying. Um, and Jim assumes that she meant him. But no, she meant Nat. And says, uh, Jim goes, oh, God, even he replaced me, huh? Even as a hero. Um, and he wonders what Nat took. He wonders what Nat took as a payout. Jim says the property is worth a fortune. So he probably made out really well and that we're all going to miss the peach pit. Mm-hmm. Jim shows up at the peach pit. Some balls on this guy to pick up his takeout order. Right. Uh, he starts looking at the old pictures. And, of course, Nat says business is picking up just as we're closing down. Place is packed. Uh Nat won't let Jim pay. He says it's on the house. And Nat says, Brandon fought for me, but I crumbled. And Jim says, you did what you had to do. 
But Nat asks for one last favor from Jim. He says, I got my papers in from Dixon St. Clair, and he wants Jim to review them just to make sure he's not getting screwed. Jim kind of hems and haws, conflicts of interest, Tim, as you mentioned, but he probably figures mm-hmm. whatever, it's over. So he says, all right, I'll take a look. And Jim is shocked at how low the offer was that Nat, the fool he is, accepted. <laughs> Jim immediately from the payphone calls Art uh, to complain about the low offer. And Art says, look, your buddy accepted. What do you want me to do? <laughs> offer more money? Uh, he's the dope that took the first offer. And Art says it may be moot anyway. And they have a lot to discuss. And you better come in uh, to the office. So Jim heads over to the office. But we cut ahead to the Walsh house. Brandon is back from a bike ride to the beach. And Brandon, uh, Brenda lets him know the money for the High Point Center has fallen through. Brandon is excited, but Brenda says Jim is sad. She wanted the project to happen so Jim could be successful, but she's also glad the pit survived. Brandon says Brenda was right to stand by dad. Jim says they warned Dixon St. Clair that this could fall through, and they didn't take them seriously. Art said Jim wasn't a team player and made him feel like shit. Jim says they never listened to the bean counters. They just wanted to make the business look good. And Jim says he probably won't get fired, but if he does, he'll get another job because he knows how to play the game. And Brandon is a chip off the old block. He's just a little wet behind the air. Somebody freaking euphemism is going to jam into this. Uh, Brandon uh, admits that he went overboard, but Jim liked it. Jim tells him Matt doesn't know, and Brandon can be the one to go tell him. So Brandon heads to the peach pit. After it's closed, Nat is very happy to see him. And Brandon's kind of stringing him along. He's like, oh, you know, you could sell the menus. It could be a collectible. You could auction off all the stuff. Um, you know, and he says, everyone has a price. And Nat really gets down on himself. This backfires on Brandon a little bit. This was he's egregious. Like, he's like, oh, I'm such a heel. I'm such a bad person. I can't believe I did that. And Brandon, no, 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 no. Look, I'm just fucking with you. Uh, the peach pit is saved. The money fell through. The deal's off. Nat is pumped. They open the doors and the whole crew is waiting, even Jim, to come celebrate. And old Willie fires up the grill to make everyone some mega burgers to close us out. Um, oh, Willie. So this this is such a weird episode across the board. Like, I get what they were trying to do with the business deal and show Jim's, you know, conflicts. and But, like, it just it ends almost too conveniently. And I know money falling oh, through is a common yeah. thing. I mean, that's it's not, like, crazy that that would happen. But it's just like the timing of it all. Um, and, and so this is my also my one thing. Like all this time, they kind of hint, I guess, that like they'll give Nat a new location. But why did nobody have the idea to put the peach pit inside the freaking mall? Like why mm-hmm. couldn't they just build around it? And now mm-hmm. you have this mm-hmm. historical location as a selling point that all these kids love. Like yeah. nobody thought of this to say like, why don't we just <laughs> keep the peach pit as is? And build around it, and it'll be like a foundation of the mall. Like that's a massive selling point. Oh yeah, that's a uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a great idea. I know. So to kind of go the the local mall that I had growing up, we used to have like a service merchandise and a Sears, and they literally like they those were like that. It was like that. It was I think either TJ Maxx or JC Penney, and then like Macy's. And it was like those were like four stores, like in a square. Mm-hmm. So they built the mall, and it was called the Square One Mall. And it was like the mall. One was service merchandise, one was Sears, one was JC Penney, and one of them was Macy's. It was like those were the four corners of the mall. So it makes total. And and the mall itself. Sorry. Yeah. 
Yeah, the mall itself is going to be such a such a magnet for business that it takes some of the burden off of Nat to try to drum that up during the lean months, right? When whether there's a recession or or, uh, it's the summertime, so so people aren't eating in town from from that famous line uh, earlier in the season. Mm -hmm. Like people are going to be at the mall either way. So opportunity knocks. Here's here's the peach pit. Whether you're a regular or not, maybe you're just going to stop in get a mega burger and get the hell out like that solves a lot of his uh his problems in terms of uh turnover and he can he can then afford whatever uh mustard that he likes i wonder if uh he says when it comes to mayonnaise you can never be too specific i wonder if i wonder if the same holds true for mustard here at the peach pit <laughs> yes, yes. seems to be one of his many uh, supply problems at the time, but yeah, it, it, that does seem like an, a really easy solution. Like you, you don't have to get rid of this place. Maybe there right. are some logistical hurdles, but uh, there's no reason those can't be overcome. So it's going to be a way to just, incorporate this in the design. I mean, they're putting ice rinks in, they're putting yeah. the IMAXs. Like, Lasers. I mean, there's going to be a way to include this, include this restaurant in there. This legend, sure. it's not like it's just like a dumpy restaurant. Like, I get the allure of it. It's like this place yeah. has been around since old Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of movie stars came through here. Like, they could make it an attraction within the mall. Like, it just. For a dude as uh, well versed as Dixon St. Clair, uh, I'm surprised this one flew flew over the radar for him. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I just thought that the uh, the com- the confrontation between Brandon and Nat towards the end here, like it just goes to show that as much as Brandon thinks he's he's doing this on behalf of Nat and for his benefit, that now he's getting bent out of shape because. Matt just didn't doing it his way, right? It's more about you got to do, you got to see things my way, and if you don't, then that's where that's where the problem is. And I, I just think that's it's something we see from Brandon from time to time, and it's always a bad look for him. And it just uh, it it's all over this episode, and I don't think it was made any better by the closing scene where. Brandon is like outright trolling Nat, who already feels terrible, right? And is questioning his decisions and thinking. Yeah, it's not like Nat was like defiant to him in any of the times. He the no, whole time he was like a no. sad sack that was just like sad sack. Yeah, didn't have the balls to stand up. But it wasn't like he was like, no, it's we're taking the money. Like he was never happy about it. So it's not like he mm-hmm. deceived Brandon in any way. It was. Yeah, Brandon did not come off well in this episode. And he turns it around as like a how dare you not let me do this for you kind of thing. It's, right. Sometimes when you hold the door open for someone, you you didn't necessarily ask them to do it, right? Like yep. they didn't ask you to do it. And it, that's okay. Um, but but Brandon never seems to learn that lesson. Keith, any yeah, final thoughts before we get to our rewards? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think I agree with everything you guys are saying. I mean, it it did seem like Brandon was kind of overstepping his bounds here. And, you know, like I said, he was kind of acting real teenagery, where, you know, they think they know better than, like, the older people in the room, you know? And maybe he should have just stayed out of everybody's business and kept his mouth shut. And it's also one of the things where this is, this is like, would this have changed anything if Brandon didn't get involved? Probably not. You know, like the deal probably would have fell through mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. And now yeah, that's just the thing. Like, and now it's just yeah. left with like kind of like awkward feelings between 
Brandon is in and Jim and Brandon and Nat and Nat and Jim and, and you know it's just and and he loses a potential possible love interest with Marcy so all for naught. All right, let's get to our awards here and we'll move on. Uh, best scene. I, I don't, I want Brandon at the council hearing just because it was so friggin' ludicrous the way he was talking. Um, it was the one I guess I enjoyed the most. There wasn't a ton to like really get too pumped about. Uh, I liked uh, Jim reaming Brandon out over a BLT. I, I thought that scene was, it, it was uh, much needed in this episode just to kind of like bring Brandon back down to earth. I, I know that. The show's audience at the time, like their main demographic, is is probably more going to be on Brandon's side here. When especially when you're when you're that age and right. within that peer group, but you know we're all a little bit older now, watching this thirty some odd year television show. So it's like, all right, we're basically over identifying with the parents, right? So good for Jim here. Mm. I like the scene where they he makes the the sandwich for the girl <laughs> yeah that was good because <laughs> it made me want to have a sandwich <laughs> all right most important scene um i went with brand I, I mean brandon saying that the peach bit's gonna live i guess the money falling through mm-hmm. yeah i agree i kind of went a different route and decided that and it's not a major scene by any by any stretch i just thought it was important for sort of the future of the show like Dylan basically telling Brenda I'm not interested in college I don't really want any part of it and it kind of speaks to his very directly to his his father issues as well I mean this is gonna follow his character throughout basically his remaining time on the show just his weird Mm -hmm. mixed feelings about academia and higher education and I don't know that we've ever really seen that side of Dylan previous to this. That's a good one, given where things are going to head for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, most 90s look, I went with Brandon's plaid pants tucked into his sneakers to work oh. out. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's always a lot, but that one stood out to me. They were like oh. pajama pants, like tucked in right. into socks. That's, yeah, they really that's, were. that's... That's the most 90s thing I think you got going on there, yeah. I don't know. Maybe the whole blue party. Was that a thing, really? Like, Right, yes. Were we just making shit up for this show, or did people really do that? Um, well, there was, there was a white party. <laughs> all right, well. <laughs> but that's, that's still a thing. That's still a thing for certain, for certain individuals. Certain people. Certain people. Wouldn't know anything about it. Um, yeah, uh, most 90s moment. I went with like designing a mall, I guess, (laughs) the concept of right walls, yeah, what to put in them to attract to teenagers, etc. Yes, I I just wrote down ball, mall culture, yes, mall, (laughs) yeah. The um, lesson learned I would never take the first offer when a mega corporation is offering you. Okay, that's a good one, it's a great lesson learned. That's that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, this was sort of a sort of a toughie for me. Um, I have uh, shut the fuck up and let the adults sort it out. <laughs> <laughs> my lesson learned. 
Yeah, when million-dollar business deals are involved, probably a good idea. Probably a good idea. I guess uh, it also just bothers me on the level of, I mean, yes, Brandon is acting like a teenager just in terms of his behavior, but it's like, what teen actually gets involved in a situation? Like, it's just part of that, how how this show can be so unrealistic sometimes, right. just wildly so, even, you know, for its its time period. I mean, I'll say this. I do think this one had a little bit more justification in Brandon's approach only because of Nat. Like Nat yeah. is like a father mm-hmm. to him. Um, this job means a lot to him. Like the peach pit means all, a lot to his friends. So like, to me, this is more than like when he stands up for the, you know, dishwashers of that restaurant. What, like, <laughs> right. you know, some of the other yeah. ones he did right in the past. Like to me, this one at least is a level of justification inside of it that says, okay, like this is his guy. Like, of course he's going to be pissed off and, you know, defend it. So like, I'm kind of okay. If it was like just their hangout, it would be different. But I think because it's Nat and his relationship with Nat, um, I like, I'm kind of more okay with it than other Brandon. Uh, what does she call him? Whatever she called him, a tree hugger. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it's putting him directly at the crossroads of this, this, uh, conflict between his actual dad and his surrogate dad kind of thing so it's that intersection does have some value that in the past you're right these things without that that degree of personalization um have really fallen flat i just i just think it it, like this had a lot of points working against it this episode and that's just one that i i never like to see brandon get involved in these like just yeah, especially when he's a high school student. All right, best hookup. I went, I went Brandon and Marcy. Um, they had some hot moments in there. There really is not much else going on. Yeah, what can you do? It's we're we're still literally uh, Steve and Kelly are still dancing around it. I I'm surprised that that is still even kind of a thing this late. Yeah, they're two. um we haven't had the hard shutdown yet. Nope. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have a ton of quotes. I just, I don't know. I had just, uh, our friends didn't forget how to have a good time at the expense of their principles from Brenda. (laughs) Right. I've got uh, Jim saying, uh, responding to Cindy, poor Brandon, what about me? (laughs) (laughs) What's the very put upon? What about me? What about Jim? What's the quote Dylan says about about fraternities? Is like these guys are losers. Yeah, lame. Yeah, lame. That was a good one. All right. Uh, so final grade. Uh, this one, I, I guess, I kind of like the karaoke one. It's slightly better. I went five out of ten. I, I mean, like it's not terrible, but really nothing. Again, it's this one where nothing really happens. Some of it's just poorly executed and explained. I think there was a story in here that maybe could have played out as a beeline across multiple episodes with something bigger going on, making mm. this the only story of the whole episode. Like to me was a little bit rough, especially when you look at all the logic holes that were kind of littered throughout it. And the fact that, you know, we all kind of struggled with like important moments because nothing really happened in it. Yeah. And it's also got, as you put it, such a convenient wrap up where it's pretty much the entire plot is rendered moot through nothing that the characters actually do like no one's actions resulted in this deal falling through it just kind of happens and you're like 
well, what was the point of any of that? Yeah. You know, we just went through all this for literally nothing. And yeah, you could fully skip this episode and, and not miss anything. I, I suppose there is some, it does speak to some, some character development uh, in terms of Brandon and Nat's relationship and, you know, get some Brandon and, Gym conflict, but it's sort of like nothing we haven't seen before. So I'm a little bit reluctant to give it much credit at all. Um, I, God, I, I'm trying to think if there's an episode of like less than this. To be honest with you, um, that baseball one from the first season always stands <laughs> out as a real, real turd. Uh, man. I, I kind of want to go three and a half on this one. Um, like I could do four, but I'm like, if this is like truly the worst episode we're ever going to get, then three and a half feels like a good place to park it short wow. of like, you know, going even lower. Um, so I'm, I'm reserving and allowing for enough margin that there could be something worse than this, but but not by a lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, it's a real, and it also I think is hurt because of its placement in the season. Like if they had burned this one off as like an episode three or four and just eh, whatever, forgettable early season nonsense. Um, but we're you know, we're, we're ready to strap in here for some hot and heavy plot lines here to, to send us out on a high note this for this season. And this is kind of the last thing I wanted. So Right. Yeah, we need, I mean, we got to get going Ugh. at some point. We got four left mm-hmm. somewhere in here. Real uh, dud for me. And it's, a, again, a combination of all the things I don't like about the show. I just, it had no hope really <laughs> getting above a certain level with me. I mean, I would say, I mean, I don't feel comfortable giving it a rank just because I don't, you know, like I don't watch every episode, but I mean, I would say if I can get my two cents and I think that this could very well have been, instead of thinking of it as just a filler episode or whatever, or just trying to get like another, you know, another storyline out, it could be all about character development for something later on. And I think that I've seen that in shows all the time. So I wouldn't necessarily rank this that low because not high, but I mean, if I'm going to say out of 10, I think five out of 10 is probably, is probably about fair only because it could be something that they're putting out there for a payoff later on down the road. So, and I would give it, I would give it a little bit more credit because of that. If that makes sense. Yeah. We'll see if that plays out. Okay. All right, um, let's get through some trackers. So we had a bunch of new characters. We had Willie the Cook. Uh, we had Marcy Sinclair. We had Dixon Sinclair. We had Art Peters. And I, I called him Mike Goggins. Like, I don't know. We don't really get a yeah. name for Mike. but um, They also call him Mooch, I feel like, interchangeably. Mooch? Mike, they call Mooch? I think so. At one point, somebody calls him Mooch. Okay, we'll go Mike Mooch Goggins. Sounds like, sounds like his fraternity name, you know? Yeah, yeah like, probably. Yeah, like a nickname. Yeah, Here comes Mooch. Comes the mooch. Uh, relationships I went with Brandon and Nat and Brandon and Marcy were kind of the big ones on display. Yep. Mm-hmm. We go, you want to go Jim and Art? We'll go Jim and Art too. <laughs> um, place and things. I, I, we never get the name of the college. I put Dixon St. College for now since mm. it seems like <laughs> <a good laughs> College. That seems all right. 
Um, the city council. I don't think we've been there before. Uh, so no. first for that, and so. then the uh, DSC uh, Dixon Consulting Company, or the fuck they were called. So D and D advertising. Um. All right. For songs, we had "Don't Come, Don't Get Around Much Anymore" by Nat King Cole in the beginning. "Lady Blue" by Leon Russell when Stephen Kelly are dancing. "Blue Suede Shoes" by Carl Perkins when the friends come to the party. Mm. And "The Sun Ain't Gonna Shine Anymore" by the Walker Brothers when Nat tells Brandon mm. about the peach pit going under. Um, all right. Here's our character rankings. So in this episode, we did not see Jackie, Mel, Felice, Mrs. Teasley, Emily, of course, Scott, uh, Iris, and Henry. So zeros across the board for them. Um, here's my stab at this. You guys tell me if I'm right or wrong. So I have David at the bottom because he really only has like the one line about filming or whatever, airing live. Oh, yeah, that's right. Out. I was like, did I even see him in this episode? Yeah, yeah, that one quickie. Uh, then I have Donna, who again didn't do much. She was fucking up the quiz and then playing drinking games, apparently, or whatever she had going on at the party. So they're really inconsequential. And then I had Steve because he just has the one scene with Kelly pretty much dancing, um, mm-hmm. doesn't do much else. And then I had Cindy and then Kelly. Uh, you know, Cindy has a couple lines. Kelly least like puts work in to help do the, uh, you know, talk to Brenda and help work on the questionnaire. Mm. I don't know. You guys okay, okay with that stretch right there? Yeah. David, Donna, yeah. Steve, Cindy, Kelly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could flip Cindy or and Kelly, but it, yeah, it's fine. Um. All right. I had Dylan next and then Andrea. So I thought Dylan had some good little quick liners. Andrea felt like she drove more of the story, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I had Brenda, who didn't do a ton, but was kind of the moral compass as we moved along. And then the top three, I mean, I hate to reward Brandon like this, but I had Nat, then Brandon, and then Jim is the best. Yeah. Um, Brandon, ugh, he's so annoying in this, but... Mm-hmm. On the flip side, like Nat, such a bitch. Like I, like I kind of wanted him to be ahead of it, but it's like he's he's just. It's hard to really like get into him in this episode. It, it really pissed you. Third. It really pissed you off that he took the first offer. <laughs> well, it was a yeah. stupid business move. He doesn't go to the meeting. He's acting like a fucking sad sack. I don't know. Like, give me something, Nat. Like you're, you know, be a man. You're a grown man. <laughs> yeah, be a man. What would what would Salvatore do? He'd smack him upside his head. Tell Steve McQueen mm-hmm. to kick the shit out of him. Yeah, it's hard to argue. Like, I would personally probably flip Brandon and Nat in that ring, only to be punitive towards Brandon. Because um, I, I just really hated him in this episode. But, I, I, yeah, he probably puts in a more forceful performance, you could say. So, I, I'm not going to I'm not gonna fight you too much. I, I think I've made my thoughts clear on where I stand towards Brandon in this one. Yeah, it's rough, but I mean, he's he's a bigger part of the episode across the board, and he does have a couple of good scenes, like you know him at the town hall and um, him at the with Marcy making the mega burger, like you said, Keithy. Like mm, those, yeah. those are pretty good scenes. Sure. All right, uh, Tim. Anything you want to quickly plug before we uh, wrap up? Uh, I guess I would just direct folks to our social media presence that we have, which. On Facebook, you will find a 90210-NOSO, a Beverly Hills 90210 podcast. So uh, you will have to request to join that group. But um, JT, I understand you've been uh, getting an abundance <laughs> of requests uh, mm. lately to approve. Um, so it seems like we're, uh, we're much like the uh, the Peach Pit. We're, we're doing 
Better hopefully not before we're about to close. Yes. Yeah, hopefully we're not about to close up shop here. But um, we're well stocked in terms of uh, mayonnaise and mustard and all of your condiment needs. So uh, if you're interested, please uh, do request to join. It's a fun, interactive time over there on the 9021 No So Facebook group where uh, you'll find myself and JT as well interacting. So just throw out your thoughts, questions. Um, any feedback for the show, we will find you. Uh, if you're not a big Facebook person, if you're more of a, uh, as they say, visual learner, we do have uh, on Instagram as well, our Instagram account, 9021NOSO podcast. 9021NOSO podcast, all one word. Uh, certainly you can follow that. No requesting involved there and get in on some action. Um, we've got some fun screen caps posted so from some of our recent episodes you can comment on weigh in give us your thoughts feelings and uh you can argue with some of my takes as well and maybe maybe there's some brandon supporters out there that uh that are gonna say hey this was me in high school in 1992 i was just like this kid i was very i was very uh active in my community i i was i was focused on my elderly surrogate uh, parental figures um, and and really looked out for their best interests and and uh, I believe in what Brandon was doing here so by all means uh, reach out and uh, get in touch with us there uh, I think that should do it if you are not subscribed to this podcast that you're listening to and you like what you're hearing please subscribe today so we are of course affiliated with the North South Connection podcast network so separate uh separate podcast mm -hmm. uh channel there if you are interested in some other pop culture content but we are of course 9021 no so and uh subscribe to us again if if you're not already hopefully you are all I right think that's all our, you nailed it buddy and just in time where we got the numbers ready perfect um, all right, so this episode, like I said, we had Jackie, Mel, Felice, Teasley, Emily, Scott, Iris, Henry at zero. Then David, Donna, Steve, Cindy, Kelly, Dylan, Andrea, Brendan, Knapp, and then Brandon and Jim at the top two. Sets up our season two rankings with Mrs. Teasley at six points, Felice Martin at 13, Iris McKay at 16, Scott Scanlon buried at 38, Henry Thomas at 47, Mel Silver at 60, Jackie Taylor at 62. Emily Valentine at 94, Nat Pasuccio at 117, Cindy Walsh at 219, Donna Martin at 235, David Silver at 238, Andrea Zuckerman and Jim Walsh tied at 241, Steve Sanders at 251, Kelly Taylor at 259, Dylan McKay at 304, Brenda Walsh at 321, and Brandon Walsh starting to really uh, probably put the nail and uh, taking home a second straight season title at 237. All-time rankings. Mrs. Teasley at 6, Felice at 13, Iris at 16, Henry at 47, Mel at 60, Jackie at 75, Emily at 94, Scott Scanlon forever entrenched at 102, Nat at 167, Donna at 316, David at 364, Andrea at 384, Cindy's at 386, Jim at 399, Kelly at 428, Steve at 442, Dylan at 463, Brenda at 564, so 100, 100 points higher than her boyfriend. And Brandon Walsh at 578, carrying the torch on the all-time. So um, that'll do it for us, Tim uh, and Keithy. Thank you for joining us as always, buddy. We'll have you back soon, I am sure. Uh, Thanks. Tim, Tim, you and I will be back in three weeks 
Uh, we'll have another returning guest uh, as we hit the final quartet of season two episodes. We're digging into season two, episode 25 at that time. So looking forward to that. Be sure to spread the word to all your friends and fellow No 2 and fans. We appreciate the love and you checking us out. For Tim, for Keith, I'm JT. So dim sum or dim sum, we're out. Take care. To be paradise, put up a fucking lie. And now they pay paradise to put up a fucking lie. One night. It took my girl away Now don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got Till it's gone To be in paradise Put up a fucking lie